Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osier wrap up their discussion on Article 19 of the Augsburg Confession on the cause of sin. Today, they look at a New Testament passage in 1 John chapter 2. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. My name is Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, we're back at it, and uh, we're into the New Testament after... Boy, we almost need something to kind of uh, cleanse our palate, uh, theologically <laughs> the, speaking. What? Uh, let me keep talking, but I'll look up what, ep, uh, what Article 20 is on and see if the next time we record <laughs> is going to be a happier topic uh, here. Good works! Yes, yeah, good works. Right. Faith and good works, good, yeah. Well, <laughs> so we'll, I guess we'll have to wait to that, because uh, we still have a little bit of uh, talking about the cause of sin. Uh, we're looking at First John 2, verses 15 through 17 in that. So, should I go ahead and read it? Or go, go. Any let's, other let's get after it. Let's get after it. All right, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. 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 We didn't say amen to the David and Bathsheba story. Because you cut off mid-story. That's true. And I didn't feel like it was amen, and after that, you just kind of wanted to go take a shower. The the, the part of it is that Martin Luther tells us in the small catechism that amen means yea, it shall be so. And there's no part of that David and Bathsheba that I want to be so. Lord have mercy. Or oh man. (laughs) Instead of amen. Oh man. Kyrie eliaison. Yes. There we go. That's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're referencing the lit- liturgy. Yes. Sorry. Not Mr. Mister. <laughs> There's a difference. Oh. Very fine line, but... There, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> you know what we're talking song. about, Brett? Kyrie eleison down the road that I must travel. I've never heard that. Kyrie eleison through the darkness of the night. All right. Just like that. You got to look it up. It was relatively close. I maybe was a little south of the pitch, but you you get you You nailed it. I got it. I'm going to have to YouTube that. It means Lord have mercy. Oh, I know right that. At, That's why I said Right it. after yeah. you scrub your ears off. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we had joked about uh, just having an episode where we just said, Lord have mercy yeah, well, over and over again. Well on our way. Now we could just have Adam sing it over and over again. No, I'm, I'm totally isolating. That'll be the first being Lutheran sounder is yes. Adam belting out Kyrie. I know. We, we desperately need a soundboard. Well, after last week in my attempt at the Mark Driscoll thing, I just hope any parent who heard that are not, uh, yeah, I, we should have had a warning. I said right. the word, yeah. yeah, but it wasn't quite the word. No, it was Mark Driscoll would it was PG language. It was right. PG, yeah. yeah, but sorry about that for any parents out there. If you're listening in your minivan with your kids. <laughs> what we just saw was repentance, which was the theme of the entire episode. So, Amen. Right. Not oh man, All right, so we're, we're, we're talking about the cause of sin. And why do we choose this passage for talking about 
this article. The threefold nature of sin as described by John in verse 16, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Or if you happen to be growing up in the mid-90s and going to confirmation in Grand Forks, uh, what you would have learned Mm -hmm. was that you delineate this by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. Mm -hmm. Those are the three categories of sin which again, the cause of sin, we're talking about personal responsibility here. Mm -hmm. And so sin, uh, on the one hand, shows up in your life in these three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. But it is also the sin that you are most prone to committing because of your sinful nature. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, does this, uh, how does this relate, you think, with uh, the world, the devil, and our own flesh? well, is there any connection to that? I, I guess I like those list of yeah. twos and threes that we've talked about. It makes things easy to remember <clears throat> and discuss. Yeah. The one thing I want to point out as you say this is that in on one in one sense, John here in in First John chapter two is equating the world in your sinful flesh. There's an there's an equivoca- equivocation here, because things that are in the world or mm-hmm. the activities of the world are described as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. But those are also the things that you are responsible for. In, mm-hmm. in the accusation here, it, it it really builds on a theme that we find in the prophets, and especially in the minor prophets, where the the prophets are preaching to Israel as a nation, like the Israelites. And and it happens in Amos, and it happens in Micah, and it happens in Isaiah. And I think Jeremiah does it. I can't remember. It it happens in multiple places where what the, the prophets do, the tactic is that they spend time accusing the surrounding nations of sin. And then they accuse Israel of the same right. sins. Amos 1 and 2. Amos 1 and 2 is the big, <laughs> you know, it's for three sins and for four. And then it's like for six sins and for seven for when he's talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. And the implications of that type of prophecy are God saying to his people that you should know better, but instead you're no better. Ooh, I you like, like that? that? I, I just like came that. up with that. Well, I'm really happy with say that. that again. You gotta, it was a little slow. I still had Mr. Mister in my yeah, head. <laughs> it says, you should know better, but instead, you're no better. Oh, oh. nice. Have you? Where'd you get that? That you, just came to me right you make now. make that up? I'm pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah, you're pretty. You're a big deal. That's pretty awesome. Not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with the way that came out. Yeah. I'll use it again. But but that's the reality. And, and the exact same thing is going on here in chapter 2 of First John. The, the warning is, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the mm-hmm. lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life is not from the Father, but of the world. But as you stop and examine yourself, and as you look at the counsel of Scripture against your sin, Mm -hmm. you will find out that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life is the very sin that you struggle with. Mm -hmm. So, in reality, John is accusing us all of loving the world more than loving God. Yeah, right. Um, mm. Back to that word of concupiscence, right? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that first. I'm going to try. I to just wanted to get ahead of, yeah, of get ahead of the curve yeah, on that. You can be the one to say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that word, uh, either you know, trans, depending on the translation, ESV, the desires of yeah. of of life, um, or, or lust, lust of the yeah, of the eyes. Lust yes, is lust the version I grew up uh, understanding mm-hmm. and knowing and memorizing. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there, there's this idea of desire, lust, uh, something that's 
kind of stewing inside of us that leads us to sin. Yeah, the the the, the focus there is on the covetousness part mm-hmm. of the law. And and again, if the, the word coveting isn't used there, but the idea is certainly present that when we covet something, the way coveting was right. explained to me growing up is that we want something someone else has, and we simultaneously don't want them to have it. Mm-hmm. We want to have it instead of them, right? That's covetousness. If you jump to Romans 7, uh, I think is the place where it equates covetousness with idolatry. Idolatry being the primary sin yep. that breaks the Ten Commandments. Right, wrapping around the Ninth and Tenth Commandment. To All the, the way back the to the first. top. Yep. 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 So, so Adam, what uh, what do you have to say here? What's uh, what's going? Tell on? us about a time in your life when uh, <laughs> Where the lustful lust pride of, of life came. No. Of life. Uh, yeah. it, the thing that the thing that stands out to me in this passage, and it's going a different direction, honestly, than we have been going and chasing that that you've said, which is good. Uh, it's not good that we're going a different direction. <laughs> what Jason said is good, and I'm going a different direction. Uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. I think the um, the nature of that word love sometimes it has been something that's been a challenge to me in thinking, um, you know, I'm, I'm a horrible person because I like my kids or I appreciate, I like this thing. I, you know, I like to watch football or I like this, anything that's of the world, you know, and it's kind of this, uh, is it Gnosticism? Am I right? When I say that's kind of more of the ethereal, yeah. you know, that anti-material. we can't enjoy ourselves at all or enjoy anything God created. Correct. Yeah. You know, it's the opposite of, of hedonism. I got to get away from any of this. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. And I think we got to be, be careful to understand that rightly ordered, it's great to love the things that God has given us in this world and that enjoy things rightly and in the right way is absolutely something that glorifies God. Um, You know, even enjoying, you know, just uh, I think of, you know, the relationships that we have, you know, with each of us, we have, you know, we're married and we have children, you know, the the relationships with our family is great. I think the the thing that is condemned here uh, and the thing that is within each of us is those desires wrongly ordered. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the thing that stands out to me, is that these desires are wrongly ordered. Uh, that what what um, <laughs> is not coming as a, as a gracious gift of God to me, but is something that I must have, that all of a sudden flips the script. And it could be the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be, you know, yeah. I mean, and there's there's people who abuse different, you know, substances. Or, well, I'm not substances, but, uh, you know, we have different debates on this with, with alcohol and our, you know, um, churches and different things like that and, and however it goes. But there's the abuse of the thing and there's the problem of the thing itself. And I think that's a good distinction to make here. That's what I think when you ask what I think mm-hmm. about this passage. No, I think that's good and helpful. Uh, what we would also note in that when we talk about loving the world, curiously, the word that is used here for love is agape. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that would, I mean, there's a couple different ways we can interpret this, and we don't want to press the issue too far. But agape is the love of choice. And it's also the love that God has for us, uh, for God so loved the world. But it's also the love we're called to have because God has loved us. You know, First John 4 or 5, we, we love because God first loved us, right? Mm-hmm. The agape love then that someone would have for the world is a love that they choose to have. It's not a, it's not an enjoyment thing. It's not a phileo, which is the brotherly love, and it's not the romantic love. It's 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 a. 
I don't want to say conscious decision, but it is a, it is a a it's per- like a pursuing. Gi- giving them o- giving yourself over to it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a preference. It's preferential of one thing over the other. Yeah. It's kind of like Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. God didn't hate Esau in the sense of he despised him, but the preference and the blessing went it's, to the one and yeah, the Yeah, which is why we call it the love of choice. Mm-hmm. The, I wonder if it is connected to that passage that talks about presenting our, our members uh, to, um, is that in Romans, uh, the description of presenting the members of our bodies? Well, it's 1 Corinthians 12, isn't it? Hmm. I think so. I'd have to look it it's up. It's either Romans yeah. 12 or 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it's, it's Romans 6. Romans 12. A, a, Romans 6, Romans too, 6. talks about that, where it's the the presenting our members uh, is something that we actually do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're Romans right. Romans 6, 6. 13. Yep. Yeah. Good job, Adam. Yeah, good. Uh, the other thing that we would we would talk about with this agape love of the world is that we would be loving the world instead of something else. And, and that's where the fault lies, right? Is that... Uh, Preferential. My enjoyment of a baseball game on a cool summer evening does not affect my faith at all. My enjoyment, if it becomes an obsession, or it, it can replace my faith, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can't really envision a situation where attending a baseball game would replace my faith, but you start to run into these things that start to corrupt our faith. Uh, well, we saw it with David, David. last week. I mean, yeah. to blame other people because I don't like to talk about my sin specifically <laughs> on air, but the, <laughs> I mean, you know, but he did that. That's exactly yeah. what it was. It wasn't, it was, and, and isn't there one place where God says to David, where it's like, if you would have wanted, if, if you want another wife, I mean, which is kind of an odd statement because it's like polygamy. Okay, let's uh, you know, let's leave that aside. He's like, if you would have asked, I would have given you even more. I would have given you more, but instead you go and steal it for yourself. And and I think that there's that stealing of that idea of like, of of not looking at God's gifts and not looking at things as God's gift, but then you know it's it's replaced by my desire. Yeah, and that's the point of what this is saying. Again, this isn't a sliding scale. And it, it, this isn't good advice or, you know, it is law, but it is law that is intended to convict mm-hmm. and, and law that is not necessarily intended to modify behavior. No, I, I almost look at these verses, especially verse 16, as is almost like, uh, yes, we sin. It's like, which flavor, which bucket does this fall into? Uh, you kind of see the, the different... Uh, you know, if this were a chart, you know, is this the desire of the flesh or is this the desire of the eyes or if this, is this the boastful pride of life? Yeah. Um, and they're all sinful uh, and they all uh, are not from the father, but from the world. Yeah, they're not from the father. They're not, but they are from the world. And, and, and from my perspective, the, the convicting notes in this message are intended to identify us with the world. So that we are not permitted to think of ourselves better than we ought. We are not to create a separate class of human because we find ourselves in the church. You know, so often what I see in scripture as I teach it and preach it in my congregation is that the strongest messages against sin in the Bible aren't for the pagans and the unbelievers, but therefore the believers who would be tempted to tolerate and excuse sin. And in God desiring his own children 
to examine their hearts and repent of their sins so that they're not carried away from their faith. Yeah. I think you see that in the book of Jonah. I mean, we've talked about yeah. the minor prophets. That's, that's Jonah, right? When he goes to Nineveh, the message you know, is uh, the indictment is far more on Jonah and his lack of love for neighbor than the, the general sense even of this horrible nation, but that it's kind of, yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. And, and you kind of get that sense in Romans too, where Paul is preaching to the Jews right there, but you get that whole section where the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That's a grave sin to be accused of. That's, yeah. that's an awful thing to have to wrestle with. And yet the message for Christians who would tolerate sin, excuse sin, or dismiss sin rather than repent of sin, we need that gravity. We need we need that kind of the, the punch factor of that message to knock us out of continuing to pile sin upon sin. We, we, we identified four or five levels last week that David pushed his sin further and further down the line as he tried to cover it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it started with the lust and then there was the affair and then there was the trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife yeah. and then there was the <clears throat> killing Uriah. And, and even then he married Bathsheba as a cover up for the sin. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to make that conclusion. And finally, Nathan shows up and, and David repents of it all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the goal that God has for Christians in the preaching of the law is that first it would cause us to examine ourselves and repent of our sins. And then that third function comes into play under that, that God would guide us into loving our neighbor out of, in our vocation. But that, that neighborly love, that vocational behavior does not happen until and unless we're repenting of sins. Yeah. I think powerful in there is, is seeing the word of God at work. Because when, I mean, literally, Nathan gives him the word of God, you know, you know, Nathan speaks on behalf of the Lord as a prophet in that Old Testament passage. But, but seeing here that when the word of God goes to work and it, it does its job of convicting sinners, that's where we see this. And I think the power of the word is seen there as well. What were you going to say, Brett? Oh, I was just going to draw in that passage from James that, that talks about kind of like that progression from uh, when sin... Uh, is conceived, it gives birth to death. Um, I was trying to find that passage as you were talking there. Yeah. What is it? Is it James 1? Is that what it is? I think so. James 1. I'll go with it. Yeah, Yeah. sounds good. I'll go with it. I, I think we, as we, as we kind of get to the tail end of the episode here, I think it's time to talk about the gospel hook in this passage. Yeah, Mm -hmm. good, good. Uh, If God's desire for us in our sin is to identify ourselves with the world, to, to not see ourselves as a special class of, of that is better at self-justification, you know, or has better opportunity for it. The, the, the thing that popped out to me as I, as I started putting this together when Brett was reading and we were talking about this, uh, if, if the goal is to identify with the world, then we automatically go back to the gospel message for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And, and, and what is so interesting in this gospel hook, if, if I'm right in doing this, and I think that I am, is that the temptation of a Christian who puts themselves on the sliding scale of morality or of behavior is that we're always disqualifying ourselves from God's grace because we're not good enough. 
And yet God's message for us in our sin is to identify ourselves with the whole world. You're no better than anyone else because the message of the gospel is that God sent his son to die for the whole world. And if you get to that point where you're confessing your sins and repenting of your sins, God intends you also to be at the point where you're not disqualifying yourself from his grace. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's that's kind of similar to the prayer of Daniel, where he's uh, confessing, he's almost equating himself with the mm-hmm. whole nation of the people. One of the most, one of the most powerful prayers in yeah. all of scripture is, is that Daniel presented to us as one of the most pious and righteous right. guys in all of the Bible. You know, uh, he confesses the sins of his nation as if they were his own, right. because in fact they are his own. Yeah. Because no matter how pious and righteous Daniel is presented to us, he's still a sinner. You know, he still struggles with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The promise in the in the last verse is that. Did you start with that? I don't. I don't remember as you were talking about that. Did you start with verse seventeen? The world is passing away. Yeah, the world's passing away with along with its desires. There's some promise there, right? Mm-hmm. That it's passing away, and whoever does the will of God abides forever. That will of God there, what is that talking about? I think we've got to look at that. What is the will of God? Because a lot of times you think, okay, the desires, I've got to master them. I've got to fix this. The will of God is the law, and therefore I've got to obey it. But what, what's what's being referred to there? What's John talking about? I, I think there's a multiple level here that I would go. The first is you'd say God wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So ultimately, God's will is for us to repent and receive the gospel. It is true uh, that God wills for us to obey the law, but we aren't obedient to the law. Christ is obedient for us. Yeah. So when it says, whoever does the will of God abides forever, Christ did the will of God for us on our behalf as he was tempted, as he was uh, going through what what he did on our behalf and for us. And he abides forever. And because we are in him... God sees us in that way. We have completely, 100% fulfilled that will. Yeah, which means we abide forever, and the message of the gospel, Christ's death and resurrection, abides forever because Christ abides forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Uh, I'm wondering if that's a good place to wrap up this episode of the uh, thinking of the gospel. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the purpose of these last four episodes is not to get us to just wallow in our sin, uh, is to get it get us to... Uh, see our sin, acknowledge it, confess it, and uh, believe the gospel. Be forgiven. The the purpose of an article like this, you're right, is not to get us to dwell on our sin. It's to get us to be honest about our sin. And anyone who's being honest about their sin is confessing their sin and repenting of it because the gospel is there for everyone for all time. The gospel is available. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.